I've never met two people who were alike, and I'm an identical twin. Yeah. Human variation is absolutely magnificent. And, of course, we have needed that in order to and make what we're maybe, making. But that, and that's maybe you know? the basis of sex. We oh, need on, variability. Why do we not reproduce like ferns? Like, why do we need male and female? The oh, whole idea is mutation, Absolutely. variation. That's the Absolutely. reason. We certainly could, I mean, earthworms Absolutely. basically can have sex with themselves. Yeah, Strawberries, yeah. Uh, aspen trees, all kinds of... Uh, of, of but humans maybe plants. are at the top of the food chain, in part, not the only thing, because by having male and two different people coming together, and you took it to the next level. Not only do two different people come together, but they do it multiple times in life. So one man and one woman leaves their DNA mixed with a different person multiple times on average. Yeah, you know, uh, people will come up to me after I've made a speech and say, oh, you know, Helen, I was a failure. I had three husbands. And I'll say, oh, interesting. I said, well, how many children did you have with each of them? She said, well, you know, I had one child with my first husband and two with my second. And I feel like saying, you know, from a Darwinian perspective, you won. (laughs) Because, you know, for millions of years in these little hunting and gathering societies, you needed variability. I mean, times would change and somebody who had very bad eyesight, but they were very smart and remembered where the, where the cashews grew, uh, uh, would be valuable. Whereas some other time when, you know, there's millions of, of, uh, you know, wild, uh, I don't know, uh, buffalo around and you need somebody who is good at throwing a rock. So yeah. bottom line is we create incredible variability. I mean, ask me to sing a tune, people would pay me to stop, you know, uh, whereas you've got other people who've got a magnificent voice in the opera. So, I mean, the very variation and it's all sexual selection, which is where yeah. you started with me. So the we're coming back that, to the answer. Yeah. Of, like Dr. Buss said, your answer sounds, not to put words in your mouth, maybe it is. Yes. At the yeah. end of the day, it's all sex. Uh, but, but not the, how we think about sex. Yeah. It's not like porn. It, right. It's all reproduction, right. I should say. But the bottom, it's so interesting, but the sex drive, I think, is actually not as strong as feelings of intense romantic love. You okay. know, people pine for love. They live for love. They kill for love. And yeah. they die for love. You know, if somebody turns you down sexually, you, you don't dump out a window. Right. Um, you know, it's a very powerful brain system that lies actually very near to brain uh, regions that uh, orchestrate the sex drive, way below the cortex where you do your thinking, way below limbic regions in the middle of the head where you orchestrate the emotions and drive. It, it, the brain pathways for romantic love actually um, lie right near um, pathways for the sex drive. Mm. Sex drive, uh, you know, sex drive, and thirst and hunger. Uh, thirst and hunger keep you alive today. Romantic love drives you to focus your mating energy on a particular individual, have in- heightened sex drive, and have babies with them, and pass your DNA on to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So these are basic brain systems, sex drive, romantic love, feelings of attachment that all evolved. But going back to your whole explore, do you find, for example, is an explore, nobody's going to be equally balanced in these three. So some men- And they will vary men, from time to time during yeah, the course they, of your lives. But, but do you find that a man with more testosterone in general uh, would be more focused on the sexual side and less on the attachment side? It depends side? about his other, it depends on his- um, I think men can really attach. Men fall in love faster than women do. They fall in love men more often than do. Men in some ways are more romantic than they women. Are. Oh, I've got a women lot Women of- are more, are, are, are much more practical. We've had to be. Yeah, they'll, they'll be like, well, I don't really like it. It's like We're Chris Rock you. says, if a woman ever looks at you and she has that face, the kind of sour face, he goes, it's, she's thinking, how did I end up with this ugly motherfucker? <laughs> he goes, it's because it, you weren't her first choice. And women kind of go, well... He's not my first choice. I, I recently was dating a girl who liked me 
Um, you know, at this point in my life, sometimes I wonder, do gr- does this girl like me because of money or success? That's and a problem. Way- I imagine that's a problem for you. Yeah. yeah. I would think that would be a problem for you. But this girl, you can tell. you. Yeah, you can Over tell. time, you figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the truth is yeah. going to come out. This girl actually liked me, not yeah. for money. She never got money from me. Well, you're me easy to it, like. It, I mean, but, uh, but people I don't know if I'm easy too. to like. Adrian, do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> no romantic love. But, uh, but, but at some point, I wasn't really ready to commit to her. Yeah. And so we broke up, and she was super sad. Like you said, this thing, she almost went into like a mental yeah. hospital yeah she because i cut her off because i anytime i let her back in she would come back so yeah cut her off about eight months later or a year later she started dating someone else but she started messaging me like ty i'm with this person so i met her one more time and when she came up i realized she still loved me and i was kind of like well maybe come back with me but she looked at me and she said if i let myself get back in that place yeah. i know you're not going to commit to me and, I, and she told me that this guy she was with, she didn't really like the sex. She wasn't really attacked. But she said, but he's there for me. And yeah. I was like, wow. She's yeah. like very practical about it. That's a 4.4 million-year-old attitude. Women want to be cherished. Men want to be needed. But um, I think you're going to, I mean, you need somebody who's high dopamine like you. And yeah. you need somebody who's high estrogen unlike you. That's what I found in these 80,000 people that were dra- naturally drawn to certain Why don't styles. they teach this stuff in school? I feel like people go through college. They go through high school, all this in in New York State, over 200 grand is spent on kids' education. Everything's about love, at least even if people don't right. buy into that, half your life's about love, getting that decision. Right. There's nothing taught about this. Right. Well, I think it's a tragedy. Book. I know what I'm you saying. Know, why you need why a school, si- why don't you have a school system kind of go into the school system with curriculum, at least make people take the quiz? Because I feel like if you want to live an unhappy life, attached to the wrong person. And I found that in business too, not just love. Business too, absolutely. By the way, I've I've been studying now on on health and and the role of partnerships in health. And apparently, one thing that I read recently is that in a happy relationship, you tend to live seven to ten years longer. Yeah, and it, oh, yeah. it really helps the immune system. It really helps. Um, um, a cortisol goes down. It boosts the immune system. There's a whole list of things. Sex is good for you. what you really want in a relationship is all three. You want yes. a good sex life. Sex is good for you with the right person. You want to remain in love with them. Yeah. And you want to feel deeply attached to them. Yes. So I recommend LAT for older people. <laughs> LAT. Here's the thing though. Okay. Here's but the there's thing. not everybody like that. There's some high serotonin people. They, they want the structure. Yes. They, That's they probably the, the 50% structure. of people or Absolutely. 25. They need the structure. They need the plans. They need to, the trust. They need all of that. Whereas the high dopamine needs to, uh, what I, I say this in my book, why him, why her, what, what, what these, what do you, what do you, what you need to give to a person who's a high domain? You need adventure, Ty. Yeah. You know, and so do I. And it doesn't have to be swinging from chandeliers or going to North Korea. You can just taking your bicycle uptown to a restaurant in Harlem as opposed to going to the place around the corner every Friday night. Yeah. You know, um, just novelty, novelty, novelty. It drives up the ser- uh, testosterone system in the brain and can sustain feelings of romantic love. So you need that and you got to stay far away from somebody who's high. The problem is uh, not many people have taken your quiz. Well, you'll know. You you must have run into some high uh, dopamine people who want to go do adventuring with you. I also like introverts, though. Mm-hmm. Well, so do I. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. I like introverts, but because and people are always surprised by that. I like shy, but I think I sometimes wonder, you do I actually adv- like, you can do I like the introvert, or do I... Being shy is more a sign of 
estrogen femininity in some ways. Yes, it can. Yes. But you can be shy. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, we have to find shy, but uh, you got to find somebody who's going to be Wants to go adventuring with you, intellectually adventuring. Read the books that you that yeah. you read. Talk about ideas with you. Uh, discover new things around New York and yeah. wherever else. And um, you also need somebody with a good sense of humor yeah. and somebody who's full of energy. You know, uh, and you'll find it. But just to play devil's advocate, one guy once told me. I don't remember who. It might have been my dad. My dad was married six times, by the way. Did he have children with how many? Almost every one of them. All yeah. right, so there you I are. I have six half brothers and one half sister. Are you? Was were you the first married? No, I'm. I'm in the middle. My dad's from mm-hmm. Harlem. Not, okay. not too far. From, so my uh, dad. Well, I always say my dad was an old school player. Back then, you had to get married. So yeah, first, that's exactly right. I asked my dad his first. He got married when he was like seventeen. The first girl. And I said, "What happened?" He said, "Ty." First girl I ever slept with, the first time she got pregnant. Yeah. And he goes, I wasn't going to marry her. And her, he said her uncle took me, and this is in the 40s or 50s, took me and hung me off a side of a building and said, if you don't marry my niece, <laughs> uh-huh. I'll kill you. And he got married, and she had a miscarriage. Oh, wow. And so he was he's like, I got out of it. We were engaged. But he was married, like I said, married or common law marriage six times. So I, I think it was my dad who said this. It's not fair to try to find all those things in one woman. Do you mm-hmm. think this is true or one man? Do you think we ask too much now? Is it better? Yes, I do. To have LAT with multiple people, if you can pull off, because we... It's too hard. Po- okay. Polyamory is too hard. I'm not built for it, personally. I mean, I'm a great explorer and all that, but... Uh, I don't think any guy wants... Jealous. I think men we are We are a more, jealous animal. But men are more like... I'll do it, but you can't. I don't know. Anytime I meet a man who's like, yeah, I don't care who sleeps with my my girlfriend, I'm like, this guy has to have serious psychological problems. But maybe no, that's he's just not me. in love with her. Uh, I mean, he may feel deeply attached to her, but he's not in love with her. You know, I mean, I read poetry around the world, and everywhere in the world, um, uh, you know, uh, romantic love is possessive. Yeah. Je- it comes with jealousy. We don't share when we're madly in love. But polyamorous people, very, very often they've got a deep attachment to one person, yeah. and they also want all the thrills of romance uh, and sex with other people, and so they make an agreement. What they don't tell you is they spend hours days talking about their feelings. Right. I mean, that's why one of the reasons I think people go underground. They've got their affairs. I'm not recommending it, but they've got their affairs on the side, but they don't share this with the partner. So the one thing that polyamorous people are really doing, the only thing they're doing really is being transparent. And do you think that it works? Well, it wouldn't work for me. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
there's so I believe in this I mean, concept some... of self-selected groups. Yeah. If I you go true. to a polyamorous group, isn't there some level of kind of mental illness there? So can you find a sane person who's going to go, yeah, sleep with other people. I don't care. That's my question. I know you can find a lot of insanity in the world. I know that any weird, insane fetish you have out there, but you know, Groucho Marx said, I don't want to be a member of any country club that'll have me as a member. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I go, it's, it's a little bit like this. Um, my business partner was talking about raising capital and he said, should I try to close people on the phone? First time I talked to him, Hey, you want to put money in our business? I said, no, because if they said yes, you automatically don't want them mm-hmm. because they're not financially wise, you could say. Mm, nice. So if you meet a, a partner, a girl, in my case, a woman, and I say, hey, do you want to be polyamorous? It's almost, a, I could throw that question out as a psychological test because if she goes, yeah, I've done that before, I'm automatically not interested. In yeah. It. I did a study of, you know, because I do a lot of studies with match. We don't poll match members. We poll right. the American public. So this, these are national representative samples based on the U.S. Census. They're real science. And a couple of years ago, I did ask um, 5,000 people um, of every age group, every part of the country, every uh, the basic uh, black, white, Asian, Latino, et cetera, et cetera. You know, did they, how did they felt about polyamory? And 68% said it was fine, but only 6% had ever done it. Yeah. You know, yeah, what it's people hard to say, do it. it's, it's not you know, like what they do. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I couldn't do it. I mean, one of the things that I've said to my boyfriend is if you're going to sleep with somebody, just don't tell yeah. me. Okay. So let just me, don't I'm, I'm, tell me. So you're me. bringing this up. So, question for you Is that if we look like, you know, Freud said, the mind's like an iceberg, 90% is below the water. Mm-hmm. If we forget what people say and we watch what people do. Yeah. And, if what people do tells in some ways what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it You're true? back in this should business thing. Uh-huh. No, no, should from a biological imperative, oh. for oh, example. Oh, so most adapted people, to do. Yeah, so most people have given the choice will eat protein or something like that yeah. versus eating dog crap. I mean, right. we're, because exactly. that's what we're biological imperative. Exactly. People who ate a lot of dog crap are no longer Died on out. the planet, right? Exactly. So there's some... In a non-artificial world, like if you put Snickers in front of people, it basically tricks the system because we should have sugar, but not that much. Forgetting the artificial world, which is what makes this question very complicated. Should we say what people do is actually what we should do, as shocking as that is? Should somebody take that approach and say, look, I'll date you, but... Maybe I'll sleep with other people, but I really love you. And if I do, I'll never tell you. Is that healthier, though? To each his own. But if your boyfriend said that to you, would you be okay with that? And say, look, I might do it occasionally. It's not going to be my main focus. You're my main focus. I love you. But if I do, I won't bring it up. and It'll be some random thing when I'm on a trip. Would that hurt your relationship, I guess is what I'm asking. But we sort of already agreed that. But then he turns around and he says, sweetie, I'm not going to find anybody like you. I'm not running around. So he's, he's, I mean, in my particular case, I... But could he be just saying that? Could uh, he be very good? As long as I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and, but but you just said, you know, that you already put it out there. Okay. Honey, so, right. if you, so uh, don't even I might do, no. Right. Definitely don't say it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, as I said to him, I'm done. I am done. Right. I mean, he's my boy until he throws me out. So I, I'm done. Yeah. And uh, I think he says he's done too. So I don't know. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to go through his 
his iPhone, for God's sakes. And, and listen Do you have things. deep attachment to him as much as you've had, you think, to any eye? I have more attachment to him than anybody I've really? ever had. So yeah, he's never a really, better match in some way. They were all good for the time. They were all good for the time. You know, I mean, I've been in love many times, but I haven't been deeply attached. No, I only got married for a couple months when I was 23. and But I've lived with somebody, for people for long term. And, you know. What's the longest relationship you had? Um, well, 30 years, but we only lived together for about 15. He was a lot older. He he wrote the international section of, of, of Newsweek magazine, and he huh. was uh, uh, a very fine journalist. Very but you were with him only for 30 years or on and off kind of thing? I was, I was with living with him, okay. although I always kept my own apartment yeah. for about uh, maybe 15 years. Oh. And then uh, I moved into my own apartment and went out, uh, went started going out with somebody else. And, uh, so you had. So it was a deep attachment deep, to him. Attachment, yeah. I have a deep attachment to him and a wild romantic uh, relationship to somebody else, and everybody knew I think everything about everybody, and everybody seemed to be fine with it. So, um, so that was polyamory in a way, wasn't it? Well, um, um, no, I wasn't living with my right. deep attachment friend. I mean, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every Easter, we spent together. I, I, we went to the opera together, and this and that. But I went around the world with the other man, and the other man really lived with me. So it was, you know, I think you can have all kinds of deep attachments to family, to friends, to ideas. To, I mean, attachment is one of those brain systems that is, you know, gluey. I mean, <laughs> you can be feel attached to all kinds of people. Romantic love is just for one at a time. Yeah. One at a time. In fact, when people say to me, I'm in love with two or three people, I, they're not in love with any of them. Yeah. Uh, in the very beginning, when you're beginning to go out with a group of people, you may be in love with one for a while. You have a wonderful evening. Sex is great. You're laughing, et cetera. An interesting conversation. And then you go out with somebody else and you have a wonderful time. So you can feel mildly in love with more than one person. But the lane of narrow, of, of love is narrow. Yeah. There's room for only one. That's Kabir. It's a, a it's a, a poet, a, an Indian poet. Um, and, uh, and you begin to focus just on one person and the others sort of slide away. And we find this in the brain. I mean, this is a brain system. You know, I mean, when you're madly in love, you focus. Yeah. You focus. I will have love in first sight one time. I remember, so I didn't, I remember reading men, the book More a men long than time. do it. More men than women. Uh, really? Yes. I've asked that question to, I guess, I don't know, I don't know how many thousand, 20,000 so. And, uh, yeah, men fall in love faster because they're so visual. Yeah. Women take a little longer. I had a, I had a double date. So I, there was a girl that I had dated on and off, but was not really into. She liked me more than I like her. And, uh, my friend came into town and said, Ty, let's go to this Clipper game. Um, Find me a date. So I called up this girl that I didn't really like. And I said, do you have somebody that can come from my friend Mike? She goes, sure. So I said, we'll pick you up at five. We go to pick him up. She, her friend and her walk out. And that's the only time it's ever happened in my life. Uh -huh. and, I w and I was thinking, it was the worst day of my, night of my life because my <laughs> she was very beautiful. My friend was like, Ty, you set me up with the prettiest girl in LA. And not just pretty. She was smart and charismatic. But mm -hmm. no, she was... I read this thing. Tell me what so you what think did of you this. do? Did you end up going out so with her and living the whole with her Clipper game? I was frustrated because I'm with this girl I don't like. He's having the time of his life talking and we're sitting next to each other. So the only time you ever see in movies where you go in the bathroom and punch the wall, mm -hmm. I did it. <laughs> I always thought that was fake, and I did it. And no, I, I told my friend Mike afterwards. He was gracious. I said, "Listen, Mike, you're only in town for two days." You do not get this girl. I was like, I want this girl. I told, and I even told the other girl, I was like, I'm in love with your your friend. Really? And, yeah. That and I night. texted her, no, within a week. 
I went to Thanksgiving a few days later. I texted her under the phone. I said, uh, I've never said this before, but I had love at first sight with you. And it's funny. What'd she say? She was like, I like you too. And we dated on and off. She was for sure an explorer. She was feminine, and but it was complicated because she had a lot of baggage. She had been married before, which brings in, I mean, this love thing is the most complicated algorithm, I think, of all. Making money is way easier than finding love. Way. I can no tell you that. No question about it. No question about it. In fact, I always thought that my brain scanning of putting people in the machine who are just happily in love, rejected in love, and love long-term was going to be the hardest thing that I would ever do with yeah. intellectually. And it's not. The hardest thing is trying to figure out why you're naturally drawn to one person rather than, than another. You know, it's so complicated. And that's where, you know, I mean, learning about these four broad styles of thinking and behaving really helped me to understand some, I mean, people say we have chemistry or we don't have chemistry. What do they mean by that? And beginning to understand about the explorer and the negotiator and the director and the builder. So you think that's fun. it? So that no, that's... Is- I mean, it's your it's love more, map too. Yeah. I mean, it's you grow up and you, you know, you as you grow up. Uh, I mean, I call it your love map, and it's a, it's an unconscious and conscious, but unconscious list of what you're looking for in a yeah. partner. Now, for example, my mother was very unpredictable, big time unpredictable, and like I, bipolar kind of unpredictable. You know, I I just don't know any of those academic terms so no. well, but and I couldn't I couldn't really figure out what she was ever, but it was very unpredictable, and I was terrified of her, and. uh um, as a result, um, I have been able in my life to uh, d- uh, go out with very unpredictable men. Huh. And now, if I had made a list of what was in my love map and what I regarded as something I was looking for, I would never list unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. But I was able to tolerate I can't tolerate it anymore. I'm done. I'm done with unpredictable. But the bottom line is, you know, who you're drawn to is not only is all that body chemistry and these four personality styles, but there's other things, too. I've never found the biology of sense of humor, for yeah. example. I've looked in all the literature, and <clears throat> I mean— what is it that there's got to be some biological? But I think things. sense of humor is correlated. It's not a causative thing. There's a famous comedian named Gilbert Godfrey. I don't know if you know he's, he's this ugly guy, and he goes, "Trust me, uh, the amount of women who come up to me after a comedy club and try to sleep with me is like zero. And I've been in comedy for forty years. Uh-huh. I think that women, once they like a guy for other reasons, yeah, then humor is correlated with intelligence. So then you look for humor. But an ugly, a guy who's unattractive, who's just funny, I don't know. I've been around a lot of comedians. I think, and I, and I was coming to this thing, I think you have to watch what people do more than they say. They're, oh, I agree with you. People you say, talk that talk, especially women, that women walk. say, oh, I'm looking for a guy who's this, this, and then you look at who they mar- have they dated, and it's nothing like that. Isn't that amazing? I want a kind guy who's yeah. funny and this, and I'm going, well. Yeah. You know, on Match, um, we watch who you date. Yep. And um, a lot of people uh, don't go out with what they say in their profile yep. they're looking for. Yep. And so now Match is built into the algorithm, and probably other sites too, I don't know, um, uh, have built in giving you people not only who you say, right. but who you do, who you, yes. uh, you know. And it's, yes, but there are some basic things. I don't think that you, Ty, are going to ever really fall madly in love with the builder. I think it'll bore you. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I do think that we have parameters of our, of our personality. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think you're ever going to go out with a woman who's not curious. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, probably you're going to want somebody who, well, anyway, I could go on, but well, bottom line here, is, here's what I think my quandary is. My dad, if you go to genetics, my dad's very aesthetic. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those kind of things are genetic. You know, I took a personality career quiz when I was 16 and the lady said, you should be a supermodel scout. She goes, I've never seen this really? result come up. You're aesthetic in that way. And I think I got that from my dad. He was a professional bodybuilder. He's very into, he was a narcissist too. But <laughs> Is he alive? But, yeah, but he's older now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my gr- mom's side is super intellectual. Ah. So my mom, my mm-hmm. my grandma's anthropologist, she went to Yale, and my ah. grandpa was a top scientist. He was like a p- child prodigy. He was a very smart guy. He worked on a Nobel Prize. They didn't win, but mm-hmm. um, in astrophysics. And, and so, and I was raised by my grandma. So there's a part of me, the hardest thing for me to find is somebody who's aesthetically beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so my mind map is kind of and fucked. Smart. That's what I think. Beca- mm-hmm. and, and I'll tell you, now people will say- I don't think that's fucked. I no, think you find a beautiful woman who is yeah, smart. But, but let's just, so I once did the math on this, okay? <laughs> being, a, being super intelligent is just an outlier trait. Out of a hundred, by definition, the word, it's like the definition of the word tall. Tall means in your society, like in the 1920s in World War I or 1910s, the average man in France was like 5'5". Five, five. So if you were 5'9", you were tall. Okay, so it's given the subset of the world. That's what we consider outliers. So when we say beautiful and we say intelligent, um, it depends on what your world looked like. Now the world's open to all of us. On Instagram, you see all the beauty in the world and you can see all that. But anyway, these are outlier traits. So by definition, they're rare. And I once did the math. What are the odds of somebody who let's say is in the top one percentile of beauty and simultaneously one percent, uh, one percentile of intelligence. It's very rare. And then they have to be straight. They have to be, they have to be, you know, not five years old and not 105. Right. And it becomes a needle. And it's kind of like if I said, I want a seven foot five basketball player also who has red hair. Well, yeah. you pretty much priced yourself out of the world. There is no seven foot five redhead. I'm not saying it's as hard as that, but the well, maybe you should lower your standards. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're a- not going to exactly. lower it on intelligence. Uh, and you're probably not going to lower it on curiosity. But you can lower uh, it on looks. You can lower but, it on looks. So let me tell you. And by this. the way, once you become madly in love with her, you're going to think she's beautiful anyway. That's the beauty of the brain. I mean, you know, when I ask people. But, but I think that's more of a woman thing. I don't know if men are like that. I think women are like that. You'll see women. Women tell this story over and over. My husband, first time I met him, didn't like him at all. Saw him at a party, was obnoxious, ugly, fat, blah, blah, and now they're in love. Right. I don't hear as many, Adrian, I think I've that's never true. gone out with a girl, you're like, not my type, and then a week later, due to her trivia, comedy, and intellectual capacity, you're like, this girl's gorgeous. I would say this, I've gone out with a six before, but she had like an amazing personality that had me intrigued, and it felt like a 10. There like, you go. There but, you but see, go. I think that's, that's like personality, but that's variability. I think that's, that's variability. Some men are more aesthetic. Well, like, so are women. So, sorry, so, women. so are women. But I know you have women. all the goods. You got all the goods. You're rich. You're famous. You're smart. You're funny. You're good looking. And they'll come to you. Paradox of choice. Well, just invite them to this place. Bar- <laughs> <laughs> I could just go with Barry Schwartz. He's like, just forget it. Just settle down and go with one. But Or I could just say, what about this? Is there anything wrong with just enjoying life and taking it how it comes? I sometimes go, I don't know that I'm that guy that is ever going to just settle down and have 
you know, the house on the side. I don't know if that's me, but I do think some guys are like that. Well, dude, I mean, find a woman who lives in China. See her now and then. Uh, but that's kind of what you I know, end up doing. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of women in the world, and and we're not all, not all of us want to settle down. Not all of us yeah. want the picket fence and the three and a half children or two and a half children. That's kind of what you I know, end seriously. up with. Now. I, I think you're yeah. right. That you, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to ask you how old you are, but you know, but uh, <laughs> but I guess maybe not. So let me ask you about age. When do you think a man hits his prime? If studying all these people groups. Well, exactly. Said, prime at what? I mean, uh, sexuality, I think men's highest thing is at age 18. And yeah, women 17. Is at age, and women is at age 25, something right. like that. But, I mean, in terms of money and Overall peak, class ability and, to bring in what he wants. You said in this 100, in other gatherings. 50s? I have no, no idea. Yeah. I would imagine in hunter gatherers, you know, because it's brawn. I mean, it's not just brains, but yeah. bra- real brawn. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of effort to get to Wall Street. You don't have to be dodging lions and tigers and bears to get to Wall Street and make some money. So, you know, it's I, 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 prime is going to be different, I think, for different people. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I think it's variable. I mean, it's probably thirty-five to mm-hmm. fifty, maybe. I I don't know. But I want to tell you what I what I think about um, why I'm so optimistic uh, about now, and I think you seem to be one of those people who is in this category. Um, there's something called slow love, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's my term. And I've been, you know, I do this annual study with Match. It's called Singles in America, and as it turns out. Um, when I ask the question, have you ever had a one-night stand? Over 50% have had a one-night stand. Over 50% of American singles have had a friends with benefits. Over 50% have lived with somebody long-term before they marry. And Americans think this is reckless. And I began to realize it's not recklessness, it's caution. Mm. What we want to do today, singles want to do, they want to know every single thing about a partner before they wed or before they even make a commitment. Mm-hmm. Where marriage used to be the beginning of a partnership, now it's the finale. Mm. And so what people are doing, they're starting out as just friends. Oh, just friends. Then they move it into friends with benefits. Mm-hmm. And they slowly move out and have their official first date. Long after the friends with benefits and just friends. And they slowly let friends and family know about it. And they slowly move in together. And then they wed. So we're seeing a real extension of what I call the pre-commitment stage of, of a partnership. And then I thought to myself, well, if that's the case, and we're going to have a lot of partners before we get married, we're going to learn a lot about our own sexuality, about our own romance, about what we need. We can learn how to get rid of what we don't want before we marry. So maybe by the time we go walk down that aisle, you know who you want, you know who you want, you, you, you know you want who you want, and you think you can keep who you want. Mm. And so I did a study of 1,100 married people to see um, if this could be the case, we're marrying later. Mm-hmm. And, um, I asked these 1100 people, they were all married an average of 15 to 20 years. And I said, a lot of questions I asked, but one of the questions was, would you remarry the person you're currently married to? <laughs> <laughs> and 81% said yes. Oh, really? And the bottom line Were is, they separate when they answered? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, they were separate when they answered. Skewed. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the bottom line is we're seeing this extension of the pre-commitment stage. We're marrying later, and I've got data. Nice so you don't data. think there's anything wrong with it then? 
No. You think well, maybe even it's better? Yeah, I think we are moving towards more stable partnerships because we are marrying later and building our partnerships later. And I think that's probably what you're doing. Hmm. You're going through a whole pile of things. You're learning more about what you want and, and you're discovering why you don't want what you don't want, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, the day make, I mean, maybe the day will never come, but the vast majority of people end up being stable at some But don't you think the problem then is... Now, I'm a whole lot older than you are, and this is the first time I've been in a stable relationship. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I always think of this thing. Stable, I mean... Uh, in totally art stable. is long, and life is short. And this is the quandary. Mm, so, mm-hmm. I think it's Plato or Socrates. Okay. So, well, I, well if done. If it sounds good, I, I'll, play, <laughs> I'll plagiarize that. Um, you know, the art of living to figure out what you're saying takes a long time, but our life is finite. So don't you think there's a problem in that, like, yeah, I might figure it out, but I'll be 100? Well, maybe you're having a good time now, and you figured <laughs> out where you are now, and that's fine for you. Yeah. You know. And maybe I it's mean, just an evolving thing. Maybe it's yeah, just I mean, why, 20s, 30s, 40s. As long as you don't hurt 50s. a million people along the way. And, right. Uh, you know, and, uh, I mean, uh, what's beautiful, I'll say it again, is that we can live the lives that we want to live these days. I didn't have to marry at age 21 and stick out with something for the rest of my life. By the way, back to the Amish. I was there last weekend, okay. a couple of weekends ago. Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, but it was a Sunday, so I couldn't see oh, any yeah. of the Amish. But I'm going to go back um, two Mondays from now. Okay. But I did stop in that museum of the other, the larger group of... Mennonites. Mennonites. Yes. And uh, I stopped in this little museum, and boy, he hated his wife. That oh, guy hated yeah, his yeah. wife and she hated or him. something, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I... You know, I'll tell you this. I've always... I, the Amish are more interesting than the Mennonites. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to see... I'm going to go see the Amish. You'll, I think... It, now, there's great <clears throat> Mennonite people that I met. I Because they were stuck. Both. They were stuck on a farm. They couldn't divorce. And we live in a world where you can leave what doesn't work and make something better. But let me tell throw, me about but, living on the farm. <laughs> but, de- but devil's advocate. So... I believe in like, I believe life is this big game theory. I think game theory is the most misunderstood thing in the sense that there's never black and white. Um, so in this case, Amish are on one side of game. You pick somebody, you have community stability. Yeah. If you pick wrong. I bet they're all builders. Yeah. I bet there's selection for builders. Yeah, more builders, gonna, more yeah. builders. But let's say, let's say, so the trade-off, everything's a trade-off in the game. The trade-off is there will be some people stuck in the wrong marriage. But if you look at the group, there's now about two, three, four hundred thousand Amish, say three hundred thousand. Overall, it that group I would say is happier and directly causative from nice families. The Amish have very happy kids. Um, and some of that's genetic for sure. And I didn't understand that at first, but definitely contributing. You grow. I see, like I have an Amish guy who works three Amish people are working my farm. And one of the guy, he's got four daughters now. And sometimes I go there and I'm like, what compared to my childhood, my dad was in prison when I was in born. My, my childhood picture with my dad is in the prison yard in a terminal Island, an Island off Los Angeles. I'm sitting there. I look scared as a, that's my two year old picture with my dad. I'm like, I could, I think I knew I was in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I think about my childhood and what effect that had on me versus this guy, David, who's there with his, he comes home and he holds his daughters. He's the jolly, nice, he's this big, huge farmer guy. And and I think his daughters are going to grow up with, <laughs> in some ways, more mental stability or social mm-hmm. stability. So in this trade-off between modern society and the Amish, yes, some people get burned in this 
I'm married to a woman. If I lived in modern society, I'd divorce her and be happier individually. But as a group, they seem to be pretty happy. In our society, the trade-off, we win on that. If we marry the wrong person, you're out. Right. But do we lose? I'm, my personal philosophy on everything, I'm a utilitarian, mm-hmm. okay? So at the end of the day, I don't really believe, the Amish are much more communal. Right. They care about, the. they don't even have, like complimenting somebody on how they look. I've, I don't even know if that's in the Amish language. In the Amish say Shane, which, Shaney, Shaney Boo, which um, in English translates pretty kid. But they don't mean pretty. It, they don't mean what their word for pretty means nice acting. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying they they are so focused on the community versus right. the in, individual. They don't even have individual compliments in their language structure. Wow. What is the language? It's it's a it's variation sort of, of German. German? Uh-huh. It's like from Swiss <clears throat> kind of German. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they say she they say she sand like be pretty. Like mm-hmm. if a kid's being loud, they say be pretty. So if you don't compliment the individual, the trade-off is you get this nice group of people who work together and overall, out of a one step backward, they go like three steps forward. Have we in society, because of these traits, we go one step forward, we divorce the woman or man we don't like and we're happier for a second, but do we then go four steps backwards with the unstable social structure? Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on who you are. I mean, uh, you know. No, but I'm saying for the big picture, zoomed out, right. America as a society or the world as a society versus the yeah. Amish. Do you think we're going backwards as a society, even though some individual people are going forward? Well, I wouldn't say backwards. I mean, in hunting and gathering societies, they were very communal, mm-hmm. you know, and for millions of years, we we grew up with a, a communal attitude. I mean, we feel shame. We feel guilt. We, we, we you know— I don't know the answer to your question. I, I, I mean, it's I think it's a hard that, question. I, mean, I don't know if yeah. anybody knows. I mean, the bottom line is, um, uh, I mean, look what we've done with ourselves. I mean, look at how exciting life can be. Yeah. If you're not an Amish, uh, right. you know, I mean, there's some people who need that excitement. I'm one of them. Yeah. So I'm not positive. I would be very happy in a very communal. But by the way, we we are building family. You know, I mean, I have a twin sister who lives in France. I've got a sister who lives in Germany. I've got. A niece that lives in Austin, Texas, da 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 da. So what I've what we do is we build what we call what I call your urban clan. Mm-hmm. And so I've got friends. I'll see most of them tonight. Yeah. See them all the time. Uh, and so we build family. We build family. We build community. Even in our very modern world, that's full of excitement and and more danger, probably different kinds of danger, and um, you know less communal um, maybe um, solidity. But we're constantly building family. I mean, so we always revert back to what we, yeah, we're our built roots, to, our we're DNA. Built to, we're built to, to, uh, to build family, to build community. We need trust. We want to trust people. We pick, we pick people who we can trust. And we continue those relationships. And we're not dying out. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the, you know, and the Amish, I'm very interested. As I said, I'm going not next Monday, but the following Monday. One day you'll have wait. to come. I'll introduce you to... They're okay. in Virginia, the ones that I... But well, I, I know I, some in Pennsylvania, I would too. be great. I'm literally going next, because my boyfriend lives in Pittsburgh. We're going to drive back and go see the Amish. Because I'm an anthropologist. And, you yeah. know, I, I, to, to go to North Korea and not see the Amish is ridiculous. So they're next door. <laughs> but um, what they the, haven't invented anything. Right. I mean, look at the things that we have invented. Only I farm mean, tools. Yeah. I mean, look at the the operas, the symphonies. Right. The, 
plays, the poems, the the uh, sitcoms, the TV shows, the you know the 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 travel, the airplanes, the you know air conditioning for God's sakes. I mean, it, we live in a world where we can probably have it all if we manage yeah. ourselves properly and pick the right people. You're Man- talking to an optimist, Cliff. I agree. <laughs> Managing what's now. Let me ask you, what was so? You've got a lot of insight on all this. What when you traveled to all these hunter gatherers and around the world, over a hundred countries? What was the biggest surprise that you had been wrong about? Was it especially around love? That's a really that I was wrong or or surprised by that you didn't think it was that way, and over time you now realize, wow, it is that way. What I don't it, think I I don't think I found anything. Isn't that odd? That's maybe that's totally arrogant, and I'll lie in bed at tonight and say, "Oh, why well, did maybe I the say man, that?" The man who you thought might want twenty-five wives who wanted there zero. That, that's that, that's a good one. <laughs> there was a guy I was going along the Pamir Highway in Tajikistan, which is just above Afghanistan. It's a road like this table. I mean, it's not longer than than one car, and it's and it's um, a uh, and you go for days and days. I mean, there's no hotel. There's nothing. It's just people living on the sides of the road. Uh, but anyway, he said something that was very interesting to me. Now, it's not something that I, I he, he put it, no poet that I've ever read has heard it this way. He's, he was really suffering from a woman who didn't love him. And um, he said to me, he said, you know, Helen, love is like war. It's easy to get into and hard to get out of. <laughs> so always, over and over and around the world, I I saw people who were really struggling. I went to the Danical Depression. It's the hottest place on earth. Never go back ever. It's in Ethiopia. It's a fascinating country. But anyway, Danical depression. Yeah. Oh man. What kind of yogurt? There was yeah. Something. No. No. It was one hundred and seventy. It was one hundred and thirty-eight degrees. I was wow. like living in an in an oven, and I collapsed. I, my brain would have uh, um, overheated in twenty minutes, and I would have been wow. dead. But anyway, the bottom line is they poured cold water on my head. There was one generator in this place with sticks and stones. But anyway, the bottom line is I was lying in this like a little hammock thing. And this man, our guide, um, talked for hours with me about a girl he was madly in love with. That same guy, it could have been you, it could have mm. been me, it could have been like somebody in North Korea, it could have been somebody in the Highlands of New Guinea, it could have been anywhere. You hear the same stories. This is why poetry is so interesting to me, um, because you see the same yearning, the same possessiveness, the same craving, the same motivation. Somebody's camping in your head. I mean, what I'm studying, I'm not studying the North Koreans or the uh, or the Americans or the people in the Highland of New Guinea. I'm studying what makes us human. Mm. We're all the same. It's so interesting, even with these four personality styles, the president of Match came to me and he said, Helen, would your um, um, you know questionnaire work in another country? Mm. And I said, if it doesn't, I have failed. I'm not studying the American mind. I'm studying the human mind. And you've had people take it from around the world. Absolutely. Right? 40 countries. Huh. And you see this. Now, for but example. Is, it even, is this even homo sapiens? Some parts of the books you talk about that you've seen love at first sight in elephants. And oh, yes. And that. So yes. is that, does that, is that even uniquely human or is that just uniquely like sentient being or something like You're that? You're a good interviewer. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, uh, people are always shocked at it, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a basic brain system. It's called the attraction system. Yeah. And you see it in, now, for example, in rats, that instant attraction lasts for only 30 seconds. 
in elephants, it lasts for about five days. Really? Um, in uh, and humans, it lasts four years. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, well, it can last a long time. I've put people who were. I had people walk into our lab who said that they were still in love with their partner, and they were married an average of twenty-one years. And, and on the brain scanner, did it scanner did it back that up? Yes. It did. So, what do you look for? Isn't is it, that is it, yeah, that's, is that, I would, nobody believes it. You don't believe, people in America don't believe that you can remain in love, not just loving, but in love long term. And we have proven that you can. Do you think but, those are builders? I wish they'd taken my questionnaire. Because I, I once, I, I don't know if it was Dr. Buss, someone said, he said about 50% of marriages last. But out of the 50% that last, only 50% are actually happy. So, it's about 25% of people. And so that kind of would match up with your builder, blah, 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 that you would have. I don't know. I would imagine two explorers who really uh, oh. do a million things together. I mean, I was in love with a guy for 18 years, going around the world with him. I oh. mean, every night was different. Even when we were in New York, we were, uh, you know, every night. So he kept you on we your toes. Out. And I kept him on his. So, you know, uh, I mean, I think that it's going to be the combination, combination of combination of combinations. But when you find the right one, I profoundly believe you can, but you got to keep, you got to stay sexual with the person that, that really can drive up the dopamine system and sustain feelings of romantic love. You know, with orgasm, there's a real flood of oxytocin and vasopressin linked with feelings of attachment. So what, what I've found in terms of the brain, how the question being, how do you find a, what sustains a long-term partnership? Mm-hmm. A, you want to keep all three brain systems alive. Sex drive, feelings of intense romantic love, and feelings of deep attachment. So keep the sex drive alive. Have sex regularly. Drives mm-hmm. up the testosterone system. You want more sex. Keep the romance system alive. Novelty, novelty, novelty. Do novel things together. Keep the attachment system alive. Stay in touch. Hug. Uh, 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 kiss. Um, walk, walk, kind of cod, yeah. walk arm and arm. All of that drives up the oxytocin. So you want to sustain all three of those brain systems. But here's another thing that we found in the brain about long-term happiness. We put these people into the brain scanner, two places, in China and in the United States, looking for um, uh, long-term. Uh, looking, They all said that they were in love long-term. So we put them in the sheet. We found the same activity in the basal ganglia, in the, in the ventral tegmental area that drives that, puts out the dopamine. But we found three areas of the brain linked in people with long-term happiness. Hmm. Happiness. A brain region um, um, that um, is linked with empathy. Mm-hmm. A brain region linked with controlling your own stress and your own emotions. And a third brain region linked with what we call positive illusions the ability to overlook what you don't <laughs> like and focus on what you do hi i'm arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called investing with ibd here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. 
One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.